Hey, Guild members. We hope you found some time to relax. Cozy up once again as we bring back our mini-sode formatting and the acclaimed game we like to call Six Degrees of Education, Winter Wonderland Edition, where you get the benefits of checking out a little bit while still having the opportunity to check in on fun, relevant topics. Today, what better pop culture icon to connect to the world of education than that of legend and national treasure, Betty White. This is our way of paying tribute to a comedy genius on what would have been her nearly 100th birthday by looking at what we learn from her extraordinary life and talent. All right, welcome back to the Grounded Learners Guild Pop Culture Winter Wonderland. This is an opportunity for us to focus on connecting our world of education to some lighter pop culture, interesting, fun content, have some laughs and have a little bit more relaxation. And for this, we're going to be playing a game we lovingly call Six Degrees of Education, where we make six connections or pull six threads of those pop culture elements, whether they be TV, movie, or music, and do what we can, stretch our brains to think about how is this connected to leadership, teams, and education and learning. That's right. And so here we are in our mini-sode format to bring you the lighter content in a 20-minute format. That's our first norm is to keep it shorter and briefer. It's hard for us talkers, but we are going to challenge ourselves as we usually do. Some days are better than others. And our second norm is that, well, usually spoilers will follow. A couple of the shows that Betty White has been in, we might be talking about stuff, but I think they're ancient enough that it's okay. Nonetheless. Classic. They're not ancient. <laughs> Totes. <laughs> Sorry, you can tell who's the Betty White fanatic on this crew. Who is it? Who is it? Yeah. All so, hail Queen Betty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So as Jenny mentioned, we are celebrating today the life and mourning the passing of our dearly beloved America's grandma, Betty White. She was considered the, one of the first ladies of television, the queen of game shows. She has done it all, had numerous accolades and awards. She's actually one of the first females who was credited as co-creator, producer, and star of her own television show back in 1952. That's crazy. Crazy amazing. (laughs) And additionally to being this great creator, she was an advocate for animal well-being. She was an ally for both civil rights and LGBTQ. She's an icon. And so we're just so excited to share some of the connections we've been able to make with her, her life, career, and characters. One of the shows that everyone thinks of when they think of Betty White and her amazing comedic talents is the Golden Girls. So that's where we're going to start our Betty White connections today. And that is the Rose Nyland Effect. So did either of you two watch? It's a little bit before our time, but I remember watching either reruns or the actual show with my mom on Sundays. There was a phase in college where apparently I just watched TV like an elderly person. I was watching (laughs) Golden Girls and like soap operas. I don't know what was going on in my brain, but I did watch some Golden Girls during that phase of life. It's one of those shows that even now when I heard of her passing, I'm like, I'm going to honor her by watching as much Betty White as I can. And so I've restarted Golden Girls and it holds up. It is actually still laugh out loud funny. There's a couple of off color kind of cringy things, but over all it really holds up and is still timeless 
most of the TV that I watch is with my husband, and I haven't been able to get him to watch it. And I was too young for it when it first came out. But maybe we can talk him into it. Absolutely. So it's interesting you bring up the Rose Nyland effect, because I think that if we're trying to make a connection between Rose and the world of education, I think one of the things we look at here is optimism. Mm -hmm. But we're in a weird phase right now where there is an aspect of ongoing positivity that can be looked at as kind of toxic. Mm -hmm. So what I would connect with Rose, though, is like she was never toxically positive. She was usually just coming from a place of kindness in all things. So even though this might seem like low-hanging fruit, I think the main connection I would make there is positivity coming from the heart not from the way we think we should behave or others think we should behave or should act. But when we feel positive and we're acting in kindness, usually positivity will come out in a way that's non-toxic, that's helpful, and that is good to those around us when we are positive from a good place. Yeah, Rose really was about wholeheartedness. Whenever she would talk fondly of her husband, Charlie, there was still a vulnerability. There was still a little bit of sadness there, but she always was able to look on the bright side in a very honest and a way that there's no malice. There's no manipulation on the part of Rose. She's just so pure, so naive, but so wonderful. And when we get into that toxic positivity, like, just pretend to be happy. It's great. There's that malintent that comes along with that toxic positivity threat. There's a part of me that wonders if the writers of that show named her Rose for that idea of the rose-colored glasses as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little, bit of a, a little bit of a connection there. Maybe, maybe not. But when you think of the rose-colored glasses, the power of positivity is important. It is important when we think about how we are living our lives. And this goes for Rose and this goes for Betty. She mm-hmm. was an eternal optimist. And I believe when you laugh more, yeah, you live longer. When you're enjoying you're life, and you're, ha- you're having a good time. That embodies who not only she was as Rose, but as Betty herself. Yeah, It's good for your brain. Science tells us it's good for your brain to laugh. It's why comedians, for the most part, not all of them, but for the most part, they live a really long time because they make their living off of laughing and genuinely seeing the happiness within the world and, and going from there. All right, next connection. For any Betty White fanatics, these are going to ring true to you. But our next connection involves some of her imaginary wannabe boyfriends slash people that she's just had these delightful feudy relationships with. And that's Ryan Reynolds and Robert Redford. The double R effect. As Jenny likes to call it, the Ryan Redford effect. (laughs) (laughs) Or was it Robert Reynolds? Robert Reynolds. (laughs) Maybe both. (laughs) So what connections can we make? I mean, we kind of have to look at each of these cases separately. Robert Redford was her ongoing answer to questions, but also like out and out crush. And when I think of that, I think of something we referred to in previous episodes with our educational hall passes. So I think of that being the person or the ideas that you would drop anything for in a manner of speaking. We're not talking about the actual hall pass effect, but somebody that is deeply admired and cherished by an individual that they keep coming back to in their mind 
for whatever reason that is. And as far as Ryan Reynolds goes, what comes up in my mind actually is something that I've had the great, great fortune to experience in education, which is cross-generational friendships. Often you have new teachers working on a team with people who are just a couple years away from retirement. And not only have I been witness to, but I've also benefited from these friendships with people who are decades older than me and have completely different experiences and background in education. But it is incredibly beneficial, beautiful, and you can have some of the most fun with people who are just like bringing something really different to the table. And some of these people being members of my guild would not be anything I would trade in for the world. She's been heard to have said in an interview, you've done so much in your career, what do you have left to do? And to that, her response was Robert Redford, which is... (laughs) Amazingly funny. And when I think of that in terms of connecting it to our world and learning, is that what is that thing that you still have left to do? And Mm. what is it that you have a passion for? Now, it doesn't have to necessarily be Robert Redford or a man. But I just think of when you have that question, what do you have left to do? Or think about overall, what have you been working towards or what have you been working on? And what's left? And what are people encouraging you to do? Or what are you hearing that people are saying? you do really well and that you could build that skill up in yourself more. That's what first comes to mind for me. My connection possibly ties into our next one as well. But she's had this amazingly long decades career, right? And part of it is reinvention and reintroducing yourself to a new audience. And that was what she did time and time again, especially co-starring with Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock and The Proposal. She was always accepting these amazing quality roles, not just the grandma, but making it funny and making it her own. So for me, the connection as educators is we constantly want to think about what's next for me? What's my next goal? How can I improve my learning, my practice, aka the Robert Redford? But also how can I reinvent myself and keep my teaching fresh, aka co-starring with Ryan Reynolds? Our next connection is, I'm going to have one of you two, Emily or Jenny, if you could introduce this one. So when we think of what are the 10 facts about Betty White you didn't know, this one popped up for me and I was thinking, it was an interesting fact that she is older than Mickey Mouse and sliced bread. This is how, what was classic, classic Betty White is when you really think about it, you step back over the longevity of her career and how long not only her career, but how long she lived and what she saw and experienced in her life. And when we think about education in those terms, especially the 20th century, we have nearly a century of education that we're looking to reinvent. Mm -hmm. And Betty White knew how to reinvent herself. She was the consummate advocate for change and successful growth. She absolutely was. And so when we think of education, do we want that for ourselves and for our students and our learners as well? I would think so. Yes, Mickey Mouse has been around a long time. So has sliced bread. But there's been different variations of that. And can education be that as well? Or are we going to stick with what we've always done because that's what's comfortable? And the amazing amount of reinvention and revisioning that our schools have done in the past two years has been just astounding and Betty White-esque, right? But we want to make sure that we're keeping that momentum, keeping that movement forward and really understanding what are our values? What do we want to become? And making sure that as we reinvent ourselves as educators, that we're making those moves intentionally. 
And honestly, I don't think what I would have to say is very far from what you guys are saying either. Maybe just a little bit more zoomed in. One of the things I think is very interesting about Betty White is that she really embraced a lot of digital communication and digital things. Her Twitter was hilarious. (laughs) Go back and read her tweets. I am serious. So funny. A lot of people's grandma doesn't even know how to open a cell phone and send a text message. But like, here's Betty White tweeting away. Mm -hmm. When I think about that in the realm of education, like you said, Casey, how we've had to embrace new digital technologies and forms of learning and ways of students showing their learning and embrace it quickly. But also it's bringing your sense of self, your sense of humor, your personality into the future with you as well is what made it so successful that she adopted some of these new methods, but kept it real. So she wasn't driven by fear. She was driven by curiosity and fun. Yep. So connection number four, I truly believe the secret to Betty's longevity, right, is she was doing self-care before it was actually called (laughs) self-care. She was like Trailblazer. Jenny, trailblazer in so many ways. (laughs) And so this comes from an interview she had with David Letterman, who I am not a David Letterman fan, but I'm a Betty White fan, so I'm going to tune in. (laughs) And (laughs) during the interview, he asks her, what's the secret to your long life and your longevity? And she said, in response play with animals and vodka is kind of a hobby (laughs) and she knew just what she wanted to do so for me the connection there is not just do self-care because someone above you or your plc leader says okay it's time to engage in self-care know what that means to you know what you need be able to advocate for that and find just what makes you happy yeah it's a life skill Yeah. The only thing I would add to that is don't be weirded out by your (laughs) self-care being different from other people's self-care. Vodka is kind of a hobby. That's quite a (laughs) mic to drop. But I would say when you say something like that, it comes back to your self-care might look different different from somebody else's, from everybody else's. And that's okay. It's not just okay. It's better because if you're trying to force yourself in your self-care into somebody else's mold, Some people may never be yoga people. Some people may never be nap people. It's just do the thing that works for you and don't let anybody else's expectations or needs factor into it. I'm laughing at you, Emily, only because Betty White was often quoted as saying, sleep is boring. (laughs) (laughs) Why would I want to sleep? It's so boring. Nothing happens. (laughs) Well, and the last thing that I want to point out here for both of you is you get double bonus points for bringing in a previous episode of our self-care circus. A lot of those topics were covered heavily in that episode. Well done, you two. Yeah. Connection number five. This one is, again, a tie back to Golden Girls. And really, when it came down to the casting of Golden Girls, for those non-Betty White crazy people like me, she was actually cast as Blanche, the man-crazy Southern Belle who really, I'm not going to switch. Nope, I was doing it, but I'm not going to have an accent. Totally not. (laughs) (laughs) You can't help yourself. Yeah, she was cast as Blanche, and it was very similar to her Sue Ann role from the Mary Tyler Moore show. And Emily, you had read something about how B. Arthur, this was not fly with her. Yeah. So basically what was happening there was both Rue McClanahan and Betty White were being typecast into the role of the dits and the role of the man chaser, so to speak. And B. Arthur didn't sign up for the show. She was kind of reluctant to be a part of the show until both Betty White and Rue McClanahan advocated for switching those roles and getting out of playing characters that they've already played. Right. So it's just such an interesting piece of 
how the Golden Girls came yeah. to be and trivia. how those characters TV came to trivia. be. You know? So what connection can we make to switching archetypes? This one sounds probably pretty obvious, but you don't want to get stuck in a rut. There's something bold and brave about the willingness to step out of that comfort zone and take a risk and try something that's not comfortable. The more we are willing to do that, the more we grow as individuals, as professionals, as people. If we challenge our students to do the same, it's something that we hear time and time again, but it's oftentimes we need to hear it frequently because we are creatures of habit for the most part. Humans are. And that's not to say don't tie into your strengths and don't lean on those strengths, but it's almost what can you do next? How do you push yourself to grow beyond your day-to-day usual routine? Well, and what I would add to that is when I think of the situation, and again, I was not lucky enough to be a fly on the wall in any of these discussions, but what I imagine in my mind is the power that a guild has to bring out new strengths in each other. So it can be very easy, and we've even mentioned it can be a really integral thing to having a successful guild or a successful team. However, when you think about people stretching each other, not being afraid to challenge each other, not being afraid to push themselves and each other to try new things. It sounds to me like this was more or less a group decision, like, no, I won't be in it unless they switch. And then also Betty and Rue saying, we need to switch. We want this for ourselves. We want to push harder and try something different. To me, it was this group dynamic that ultimately led to television gold, but nobody knew it until these women were brave enough to push themselves and push each other to try something new. It ties into the reinvention piece, but also we know that education is hard and so many educators are leaving the profession and thinking about instead of leaving or walking off, what are some different ways that we can either reinvent what we do in our classroom to reignite that passion and to continue learning and to continue growing? But what are some ways that we can lean on each other? Like you were saying, Emily, how can we reinvent or switch that archetype, that narrative that I'm too old for this or I can't do this, this is hard? What are some different ways that we can think about our situation and redefine, reimagine? Dang, wait around that one out, Veach. Well nice. done. All right, Norm's girl is saying we're running on our time. So can we do speed round on the last one? Speed round? Yep. So one of the other shows that I've actually watched in the last couple of years is Hot in Cleveland. It was a TV land original. And this has Betty White once again reinventing herself, moving away from the Golden Girls, America's Sweetheart, Rose, to being Olga, the caretaker. So in Hot in Cleveland, you have a series of gorgeous women who decide to stay and live in Cleveland because they're hot when they're in Cleveland. (laughs) And they rent a house from Olga, played by Betty White, this amazingly bitter, biting character who's the caretaker. And... (laughs) I always loved her costumes in this series. Betty was only supposed to be on for one episode, but she was so heartwarming. Sorry, I know you said speed run. I'm sorry, I'm almost done. But it's she all wears it's all good. She wears these amazing bedazzled sweatsuits. <laughs> like they're glitter from top to toe. They're phenomenal. I'm gonna tell you this right now. It was when I was a teacher in the classroom. As soon as I got home, those soft, comfy pants came out. So for me, the typical educator uniform, once you get home after that hard day of working with students and giving everything you've got, got to bring out the not hard pants. Oh, another bonus point for yeah, another pants. episode. <laughs> yes. Hard pants. Hard pants. Yeah, no hard pants. Yep. 
connection wise, I didn't know the show. I didn't watch the show. I don't know anything about Hot in Cleveland. I'm playing the role of Jenny at this moment. I don't have the pop You're culture connection. Well. However, <laughs> however, I think your description of those sweatsuits was enough to give me a connection. And that is the idea of taking what's comfortable, yes. but putting your own spin, spin. on it. So when oh, I think about something nice. that you can do instructionally, a lot of times people's instinct, teacher's instinct is to go back to something comfortable or something that they've taught before. But Think about what you can do to, quote unquote, bedazzle your old lesson that you've taught many times before. What can you do to make it look different, feel different, and freshen it up for your students? And again, might it be as awesome as a bedazzled sweatsuit? It's hard to say, and it depends how awesome you think that is. But it's this idea of trying to put a new sheen on something that's been tried and true. The connection I've got is think about your backdrop. Think about your location. If LA is not working for you, you move to Cleveland. (laughs) Where do you got to go? Where do you got to go to be your best self? Yep. Outlook and perspective. Mm -hmm. Awesome. All right. Are we ready for game? We have enough time? Well, but let's do it anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I can't. She was amazing and I cried. Okay. Oh, I know. So (laughs) for our game, we are, again, going to honor one of the first ladies to ever host her own game show. Yes. And we've got a series of stems we're going to try. This is a version of the match game in this particular episode where these two match game stems came from. So with match game, you essentially have to match another contestant. I will be the contestant and Emily and Jenny have to match me. But (laughs) these stems actually come from an episode where she takes the mic from the host and just decides that she's going to host the game show that she's a guest on. So brassy. Love it. So awesome. How awesome it is that she has gotten her start in gaming and how much we love gaming. Yes. There's a connection to her. So many connections. (laughs) Betty, you will always be an honorary member of our guild. So for Match Game, I'm going to say the statement and then see if you can provide the answer. So have you heard about the baking soda now out for convicts? It's called Arm and... Robbery? (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Mine's two on the nose. Mine is Arm and Slammer. Slammer happens! Ah! (laughs) Darn it. (laughs) Nice, Jenny. It took me 20 minutes to come up with that, where Emily had her answer in five seconds. So, But it I was think wrong. Points, so. <laughs> no, it wasn't wrong. It was just not a match. <laughs> All right. And next one is King Kong has a girlfriend. He loves her so much that when she blows delicately in his ear, he goes bananas. <laughs> he goes to use her like a Q-tip. <laughs> The correct answer, the match, is bananas. Ooh, it's tied. Otherwise, the other one that would have been accepted that I saw in the episode was He Goes Ape. Ah, that's good, too. (laughs) Like it. You gotta love the classy, punny game shows. They're so funny. Well, thank you all for indulging in our sweet love letter to the dearly departed Betty White, and we look forward to bringing you more content soon. And that's a wrap for another GLG Minisode, Six Degrees of Education. A sincere thank you for joining us on this journey as we advocate for adult learners and aim to contribute to this community with genuine conversations about education, leadership, and topics that matter to you. If you'd like to connect, you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLG Podchat. 
feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't already, or are finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review? It helps us to improve our work, allows us to bring you quality and customized content, and assists others in finding our guild as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. That way you will be notified with a reminder when our newest episodes drop. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, on this mini-sode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next guild meeting, and in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.